Warning, we still haven't learned our lesson about using all those naughty words. Today's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by the new energy drink for parched ISIS fighters, Beehead Bull. The only energy drink that retroactively gives your prophet's horse wings. So when you're plum-tuckered from a long day of crucifying civilians and genociding obscure sects of Zoroastrians, reach for a can of Beehead Bull from the makers of Mountain Jew. And now, The Scathing Atheist. G'day, this is Jeff, a.k.a. Goldenmane. I've been a mouthy cunt for a reason for years now. You may be familiar with my third rule of public discourse. Or often called <laughs> fucking three. If not, what the fucking thing up. Also, we did in fact evolve from filthy fucking monkey men, and don't let the purveyors of primitive, ignorant, infantile, petulant dogma convince you otherwise. <laughs> Friday tomorrow. Yeah, but it's today, September 25th. And we ain't got no jobs, and we ain't got shit to do. <laughs> I'm no illusions. I'm Ethan Wright. And from Jeter Withdrawal, New York, New York. And Skeeter with a draw, Podunk, Georgia, this is the Scathing Atheist. In this week's episode, we find out why the French call four ounces of pot a royale with cheese. We'll learn which gran is best for Satan's scrotum. And in honor of Ezekiel next week, we'll try out that new Hawaiian burger joint. <laughs> but first, the diatribe. new survey from Pew Forums this week that perfectly highlighted what the atheist movement is doing right and what it's doing wrong. First, the good news. Almost three-quarters of Americans believe that religion is losing influence in their lives. That's a jump of 5% in the last four years, so clearly our collective efforts to hamstring the ambitions of the theocrats are having some kind of effect. Now the bad news. The majority of that three-quarters see this as a bad thing. Now, obviously, we can't read too much into that because more than half of the people who are saying this are religious, so they're just lamenting their own loss of power. But I still think it's a black mark on our efforts, because even among the nuns, a frightening percentage seem to think that our nation would be better off with more religion. You know, clearly this is a problem of narrative. Too much God is dead and not enough, at last the sea lies open before you. I'm reminded of an episode of The Atheist Experience, where a caller asked what atheists plan to replace religion with once it's gone. Now, the answer was so good that I feel bad for not remembering which host actually said it, but he simply said, when you cure cancer, what do you replace it with? Now, that's a good answer. That's the right answer, but it doesn't respond to the fear that motivates the question. Despite our best efforts to the contrary, most of this country sees the overall byproducts of religion as good. You know, they associate religion with charity, goodwill, holidays, forgiveness, family, hope. You know, none of these associations are legitimate, but that doesn't mean that they're not there. So, of course, one front on this war is the battle that we fight on this show, exposing all the horrible shit that religion actually does underneath the bake sales and the support groups. But there are plenty of awesome people fighting on a more important front. You know, the one that shows that atheists really can be as charitable and selfless as the people who are afraid of hell. But on both fronts, this is an uphill battle. You know, when the upstate atheists in North Carolina tried to volunteer at a local food bank, the Christian group that ran it turned them away, forced them to unnecessarily duplicate efforts just to provide for the community. When the atheists of Butte County adopted a stretch of highway in California, the Christians responded by vandalizing their signs and forcing them to work even harder to tidy up that little stretch of road. So, you know, sure, we're trying, but it's tough. And apparently the media is under no obligation whatsoever to publicize any of this. But for whatever reason, they do feel obligated to drown the stories of churches harboring sex abusers and raping science textbooks in a sea of feel-good stories about churches doing the bare minimum of local service that their tax status should require. 
But that's not the only problem, because at the same time the media is actively ignoring the humanist contributions during disasters and shit, they spare no effort in compiling stories about what a bunch of smug, racist assholes atheists are. And as a movement, we're often feeding them exactly what they want in this department. See, the big advantage that religious people have is armed conflict. You know, we have to resolve our differences on Twitter, and while it's not as ugly as sectarian violence, it's usually a lot more visible. You know, and sure, we have differences. Hell, most of us got into atheism by being disagreeable and argumentative, so it shouldn't shock anybody that, you know, two prominent atheists have antipodal views on some random non-God subject and then disagree and argue about it. Now, as you may have noticed, I don't give much of a shit what Richard Dawkins said on Twitter or what Sam Harris said in an interview, or what Greta Christina said about what Sam Harris said in an interview, or about whose boyfriend Sheila's sister sucked off after lacrosse practice. Part of this is that it just doesn't interest me. But some part of it is simply a matter of priority. You know, why devote space that I could use to talk about the dumb shit religious people are doing to harp on some disagreement I have with another atheist? Even the most sexist, Islamophobic, racist of an atheist is probably doing less cultural harm than an open-minded theist who donates money to the Catholic Sex Abuse Hush Fund every weekend. Sure, maybe Dawkins or Harris or somebody said something stupid on any given week, but it pales in comparison to the smartest thing that Pat Robertson or Brian Fisher said. You know, I I'm not trying to belittle anybody who's trying to hold a mirror up to the spokespeople of atheism. As a movement, I think we do have some very real problems with sexism, racism, and the like, just like any other group of people does. And it's important that somebody take us to task when we step out of bounds. But it's not important that everyone takes us to task. Or worse, that we all line up in pro and anti-factions and lose sight of everything we exist as a movement to do. You know, I've seen at least a half dozen articles in the last couple of weeks with headlines like, Is Richard Dawkins a help or a hindrance to the atheist movement? Look, say what you will about Dr. Rape Tweet, but no amount of questionable bullshit on his Twitter feed is going to stop the God delusion from being a powerful and effective treatise. Look, Nietzsche spent the waning years of his life dipping his quill in feces and scrawling all work and no play makes Freddy a dull boy over and over again, but that doesn't diminish the brilliance of pretty much everything else he ever wrote. So, is Richard Dawkins an Islamophobic? Is Sam Harris a sexist? Is Greta Christina a prude? I don't know. I've never met any of them. All I can say is that they're all brilliant writers that the atheist movement is lucky to have, and I, for one, am happy to leave it there. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is the guy who starts talking at the end of this introduction, Heath Enright. Heath, <laughs> are you ready to start talking at the end of this introduction? No. Oh, no. damn it. Yes. Oh, yes, good. I okay. do have something. I'd like to add, Kelvin Benjamin for the win in garbage time. What? <laughs> Suck it, Thomas. And how about that pick six for the Bears, D? Just gets me out of the woods right away at the very beginning of the game. Mark Gibo sacrificing his Monday perfect night. record for me. That was awfully nice of him. I avenged your week two loss, by the way. In our lead story tonight, we turn to a tale that accidentally spilled out of Joel Cohen's brain and into reality. And as much as I'd love to throw a witty headline together that subtly demonstrates the absurdity of this story through clever wordplay, when the headline one is starting with is... Polygamist ninjas defeated by sword-wielding homeowner in botched abduction. There's no need to embellish. You can just roll with that. I was hoping we were going to start with this one. Excellent. Oh, man. Ninjas. So, I mean, it didn't even work. The guy subdued the ninjas. Did yes. attack them uh, one at a time and wait until he's ready <laughs> between each sequence. Classic ninja blunders. you got to be better than that. Yeah. you got to see that go. Yeah. If, if, if you wanted to get your ass kicked while well, outnumbered, though, the only disguise more appropriate would have probably been stormtrooper outfits. So at least they were dressed for the part. <laughs> Standing. 
One line. A lot easier. This story comes to us from the world leader in polygamous ninjas, Utah, where an unidentified man is currently in custody over sex abuse allegations against a minor. Not exactly a setup that screams wacky hijinks, but after what one can only assume was the most disturbing brainstorming session of all time, the two wives <laughs> of the suspected pedophile elected to free their husband by arming themselves with knives and stun guns, dressing up like ninjas, and teaming up to abduct the victim. I'm picturing the brainstorming session. Oh, my God. It's got to look like the clan members in Django right. arguing over whether they're going to put the bags <laughs> over their heads during the lynching. Hold on, I fucked up. We're using hole. the throwing stars. They were free <laughs> with the costumes from the store. We're using the... We're not wasting perfect good accessory. Just, you know, keep it on your thing or whatever. Now, here's where the story gets weird. After attacking the first person they came across, the second resident of the home comes upon what I've personally been waiting for my entire life, to barely legal female ninjas ripe for the defeating. Now, as any martial arts film junkie knows, there are only three ways to defeat a pair of ninjas. One is to wait until they're both running at you from opposite directions, then you jump up, you do a leaping split, they run into each other. Uh, the second is to employ some random object as a bow staff, and that's generally reserved for groups of ninjas in excess of eight. The third, and the option that this guy actually chose in real life, was to unleash the razor-sharp fury of his samurai sword. <laughs> it's got to be the only time in history that the asshole with the Hanzo sword mounted on his wall next to the shitty John Belushi college right. sweatshirt poster, he actually wields the weapon. That's never <laughs> happened before. And wow. Of course, in sword. the end here, the ninjas were subdued, the child sex abuse victim was safe, and the evil master villain remains in prison. And in a sentence that wouldn't exist if words cost money, Ian Adams of the West Jordan Police Department was quoted as saying, I've never seen anything like this in my career. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering yeah. if this was a rash of Shocking. West Jordan polygamous ninjas. No, it's an <laughs> isolated incident. Got it, got it. And from the Rape Whistles Are Too Loud file. In a Salon article entitled, Cut It Out, Atheists, Why It's Time to Stop Behaving Like Bill Maher and Richard Dawkins, Steve Newman argues that atheists are spending too much time making successful careers of pointing out the glaring flaws among Christian leaders. Therefore, he decided to issue what he's dubbed the Atheist Positivity Challenge. It goes like this. He wants us to, quote, Refrain from posting disparaging commentary about Christian newsmakers on Facebook and other social media sites, including blogs, for one month. End quote. Hmm. So... Yeah, shut down our entire... Tell you what, I'll see your atheist Perfect. positivity challenge and raise you a rectally penetrate yourself challenge. Look, yeah, <laughs> disparaging remarks about Christian newsmakers is kind of what we do here, Steve. You going to pay my bills this month? Uh, I'll tell you what, <laughs> exactly. no, how, about we, how about we just tackle this on the supply side, though, and get Christian newsmakers to stop doing evil, stupid <laughs> shit? Wouldn't that work out better for all of society? <laughs> Don't they like the Milton Friedman solution to shit? Supply Usually. Supply. So his argument is just about as stupid as the article title suggests. Basically, he's saying, you guys are just like Richard Dawkins and Bill Maher. You're lumping all religious people together with the radical actions of a few prominent leaders like Dawkins and Maher. So, so besides that argument boiling down to no, you are, uh, Newman is suggesting that atheists should stop doing things that succeed in getting useful attention like Maher and Dawkins. Right. Because, you know, it's not working. So if you think you're going to become famous and successful by acting like those guys, think again. They're not. At all. I, I got to tell you, I, dude, I am so sick of this nonsense. First of all, the atheism movement didn't explode when Steve Newman came on the scene. So it isn't, you know, it's, it's like exactly. taking fashion advice from Bill Belichick. But beyond that, <laughs> it's just grossly misguided. I mean, he said it himself. Prominent leaders. Leaders. 
prominent. You know, we're not going down to the podunk Baptocostal church and asking these people to give us some insight into the evolution of the market economies in the southern colonies. We're, we're, we're talking about what the fucking prominent leaders are saying. Problem again? When the prominent leaders are saying that the women are penis homes and that the gays are suffering from a mental disorder, what, we're, we're, we're supposed to just be the bigger man and keep our mouths shut? Fuck you! No, absolutely not. Now, I will admit perhaps Newman would have a point if, say, we lived in a counterfactual universe in which disgraced clergy weren't shockingly common. Right. If, you know, terrible religious leaders were extremely rare and they were about as dangerous to the public as Dawkins and Marr, then yes, in that absolutely non-existent situation, I might take a month off from what Newman very aptly describes as, quote, gloating about the lunacy and misdeeds of specific Christians, end quote. <laughs> Almost like he's a regular listener and yeah, right. knows how the entire should, show works. should be our tagline. And in I Heard the Scathing Atheist Guys Needed More Blowjob Joke Material News Tonight, a Christian student group has wrapped the dick jokes and Christmas condoms for us this week, apparently, by sponsoring an event called See You at the Pole, in which students vow to meet at the school's flagpole to pray before school starts. So they're all going to gather together at a high place where they pray and then right. pledge allegiance to a flag of not Israel. I mean, is, is Old ugly. Testament God reigning sulfur on Oklahoma already? It should be we just should about to be happen. so lucky. So the whole concept is inspired by the misguided belief that atheists give a shit if students pray in school, which, of course, we don't. Absolutely not. And they seem to think that our Grinch shoes tighten at the very sound of amen, but <laughs> it, like, they're intentionally missing that our only issue is when teachers and school officials start leading those students in prayer or bringing religious people in to randomly proselytize to the students. Obviously. This is perfect, though, because the flagpole, in my experience, that's exactly where atheist bullies go to beat the shit out of annoying preachy Christian kids in... You know, back in the day, anyway. This is normally an after-school activity, so I'll have to bump up to the morning schedule. It's not a big deal. I'll bring it up at the next meeting. We'll adapt quickly, I'm sure. Pro-bullying pro joke. Good one. Now, as if to illustrate the good-touch, bad-touch dichotomy here, the Commerce Public Schools in Oklahoma have elected to miss the point to the second power by leading the students in the student-led prayers. Seriously? PE teacher Rochelle Crawford explained, quote, We do this to promote the power of prayer and to share God's words with our student, staff, and community, end quote, adding, Constitutional separation? We don't need no stinking constitutional separation. I'm sorry. Smooth. Really Sierra that bad. Madre badges. Son. Thank you. And in Cruz's Carnival News, the Family Research Council will hold its annual bigotry extravaganza this weekend <laughs> at the surprisingly hate group tolerant Omni Shoreham Hotel in Washington, D.C. The gathering of Christian conservatives in opposition to full humanhood for women, gays, and heathens is known as the Values Voters Summit, or VVS. And in contrast to many such events, will not be organized around a professional oval driving competition. So, <laughs> right, right. Spoiler, no, this one's more sorry. like. Burning Man, but instead of a wooden effigy, it's a black guy. <laughs> Otherwise, it's the same concept. Now, as part of the conference, this will offer GOP presidential hopefuls like Ted Cruz the opportunity to garner Christian votes by denouncing progress as loudly as they can. Right. And Cruz specifically, he'll have the chance to talk Tea Party whites into voting for a Cuban-Canadian POTUS, which is <laughs> dubious, especially after this whole Kenyan debacle that they've been <laughs> yeah, fuming about for a while now. Now, of course, the summit is also to feature a star-studded speaker lineup, including the usual end-times preachers, D-list conspiracy authors, and hacky comedians from the Klan rally circuits. So Michael Richards is sure to be there. <laughs> yeah, so basically all the people Steve Newman would have us not talk about for a month. And so, like, right. of all months, he picks VVS month. Double fuck that guy. Convenient. 
Now, if past highlights are any indication, the latest iteration will not want for idiots with microphones either. Just a quick review of some notable VVS moments from the past. Let's do it. In the inaugural 2006 summit, right-wing pastor Dwight McKissick suggested that Satan himself is a homosexual and told the audience, quote, the gay rights movement was birthed and inspired by the Antichrist, end quote. Of course. <laughs> now, uh, another personal favorite of mine, in 2009, anti-choice activist Lila Rose insisted that if we're going to have legal abortions, that's fine, but they have to be performed in public squares from now on. What? All of them have to be performed in public squares. She claimed this would allow us to all, quote, hear angels singing when we ponder the glory of conception, end quote. I mean, I don't even know what... Uh, maybe she meant contraception? I, otherwise, this would mean all fucking should take place in the public square right. on abortions. If, if we heard angels singing during public gallows abortions, I mean, the, the message gets confusing there, no? I wouldn't Great visual clear image. on at all what the angels were saying. And in But It's Like a Push Pop news tonight, Chicago priests are taking yet another page out of the pedophile playbook by offering ice cream to random children in exchange for fealty to their dead carpenter. Senior Pastor Mickey Hawkins of the Cinco Baptist Church explains that it can be hard to communicate with children, what with them being taught not to talk to you and their parents not consenting to your metaphysical molestation. The solution, of course, is bribery. The church has purchased a van which they intend to fill with frozen treats for the kiddies if they'll just get in the back and let Hawkins show them how hung his savior is. These kids are all suspicious. Let's get a van. That'll that'll help. <laughs> that should be, yeah, now it's okay. Now, haven't we always warned about ass to mouth, by the way? Especially when your head's up your own ass. That's just dangerous. <laughs> Dangerous ground you're trying to... And and does anyone have some scotch tape news tonight? Sufi holy man Muhammad Sabir reminded us that pure charlatans are generally way less dangerous than the people who don't know they're full of shit when he brutally murdered a volunteer during a botched miracle attempt in Pakistan last week. Just funny and terrible. Oh, my God. No, let's be honest, though. That was a really nice way of saying it just now. Um, In the sense that only possible things happen... uh, all miracles, I'd say, are botched, but, right. but, but dudes don't <laughs> bleed out through their jugular vein in every no, case. No, so not, that's, not that's always. A, where this one diverts from the norm a little bit. <laughs> right. So during what was supposed to be a demonstration of his miraculous god magic, Sabir asked for a volunteer from his audience to be killed and resurrected on stage. And just in case this story wasn't already way too tragic to make jokes about, he insisted that it be a man with a wife and children. So once he had his volunteer on stage, he proceeded to slit the dude's throat and then watch on while he bled to death. So it went wrong, but how was it supposed to go? What did he... Rehearsed like before, this, that was it. Did, did he have Jesus in the audience as a plant? You know, right. he's going to write, he's going no problem. But then he called on the wrong volunteer because he's a, a very stupid person. Is that, I mean, I can... I, I'm willing to bet very stupid person is a key variable in this whole thing. I guess when his chance of mecha lecha high, mecha hiney ho, and his repeated nose wiggles were unable to resurrect the 40 year old father of six, <laughs> Sabir reportedly decided to improvise a vanishing act instead, which was equally unsuccessful. <laughs> He fled from the area but was subdued by local villagers, and as if this story wasn't awful enough already, the victim's sister adds a disturbing postscript by urging that the incompetent unmurderer be cleared of all charges, saying, quote, Why should I mourn when I know my brother's in heaven? Okay, well, I actually agree with her on this one a little bit. If there were a God anyway, he would definitely let 
idiots who volunteer to be murdered with a knife on a stage go to heaven for like pity at least. You know, it's like the stupid loyal dog that won't leave the front porch dies in the house fire. Very similar. Depressing as shit. Let's move on quickly. More headlines to come. Let's toss it right over to Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate rape. It makes you a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey! I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. Hey guys, have you ever seen your morbidly obese friend watching football and yelling instructions to a professional athlete? You're sitting there, you're wondering how a guy who can't get out of a recliner without rolling to one side thinks he can tell Des Bryant how to catch a football? I only bring it up because when somebody offers a simple way to not get raped, it usually comes off as just as stupid. Take Thailand's Prime Minister, Prayuth Chan Ocha, responding to an inquiry about murdered tourists that we've actually discussed on this segment before. He explained that women just aren't safe in bikinis. Unless, of course, they're not beautiful. So if you're planning a trip to Thailand and you've been adjudicated mentally fit despite that, be sure to check with Ocho Cinco to see if you're ugly enough for a two-piece. Unless I be accused of sexism here, I want to make it clear that you don't need testicles to give stupid rape advice. Gina Miller of nothing really in particular, went out of her way to highlight the gray area between victim and perpetrator when it comes to rape. After explaining that feminists and all liberals, quote, have this hatred for males, especially white males, end quote, she went on to explain that in a rape, it's always the rapist's fault, except when it isn't. Actual uh, rape is a terrible thing, and no one is saying that these men are not accountable, but I, at the same time, hold women responsible for when they put themselves, uh, present themselves uh, in slutty attire at a drunken frat party and then expect these frat boys to, to behave like gentlemen. It, it's, it's nonsense. Nonsense indeed. So I'm going to ignore the apparent dichotomy of Miller's mind between gentlemen and rapist. And I don't think I need to point out what a horrible bitch you have to be to second guess whose fault the rape actually was. But I do want to point out that she made sure to specify that she was talking about actual rape, further evidence that Todd Aiken fucked up the word legitimate for everyone. And finally tonight, a quick bit of advice from Oklahoma Highway Patrol Captain George Brown on how not to get raped by an Oklahoma Highway Patrol officer. Just don't break the law. Responding to accusations that some Oklahoma cops may be serial rapists, he started off by giving some good advice about keeping your door locked and talking to the cop through a crack in your window or something, but eventually admitted that none of this is going to help you since if a cop asks you to get out of your car, you can't exactly hit him with the pepper spray. So he closed on the only real advice he could give, just obey the law. Now, I'm giving the long version because if I hurried past the details, it would be really easy to look at this story as a cop threatening to rape people if they get out of line. But even when you go out of your way to put it in context, it's still a damn stupid thing to say. That's all I've got for you tonight, and unfortunately, I can't imagine how anybody would put all this advice to use. But suffice it to say that if you're drunk driving through Oklahoma in a slutty bikini, it's probably too late to save you. Back to you, Heath. Thank you, Lucinda. And in separate but equal paths news... Misogynistic Jewish fundamentalists in London have put up posters telling the phallus-impaired that they're required to use one particular side of the street only. The Jewish community in question says they put the posters up to aid in righteous gender segregation during a parade. 
However, there was no clear indication on the signs that the instructions applied only to Jewish female marchers during a single event. Right. Now, considering this is London, the women probably end up on the reasonable side of the street anyway, but, but many found the posters offensive nonetheless, and city officials have since had them removed. Right. Guess the Jewish women will just have to remember to maintain a 20-foot anti-man radius at all times. Oh. Yeah, it's also helpful if you're right in on their hand. Thailand or Oklahoma, I hear. <laughs> And in Oh, You Meant Freedom of Your Religion news tonight, the New York-based Satanic Temple responded to evangelical efforts of some Florida fundies to indoctrinate children in public schools last week by doing exactly the same thing that the religious people were doing and being called assholes for it. In response to a school board's decision to allow religious literature to be distributed in schools, the Satanists plan to hand out something called the Satanic Children's Big Book of Activities that is really missing the boat if it doesn't include the Baphomets, the inverted crossword, and a game of spot the differences between these two biblical genealogies of Jesus. That'd be a good one. I knew my dentist was a Satanist. This makes so much more sense. <laughs> Scary-ass versions of highlights right. on the table, just like you're describing. Door to the waiting room labeled purgatory. I should have known right away. Now, the careful attempt to distribute Bibles legally has blown up in the school board's face so many times now, it might as well be a 15-year-old boyfriend. It's already <laughs> left. <laughs> it's one of medium orgasm. <laughs> medium orgasm. <laughs> no, it's already led to Muslim groups and free thought groups distributing their literature, and in addition to the Satanists, Theralians of naked alien abduction fame are also in line to present their bullshit worldview to vulnerable children. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Quran, Old Testament, naked aliens, New Testament, New Testament upside down. Can, can we please just realize that there are infinitely many ways to incorrectly describe the universe in a book? Right. I mean, so we can't really bring that particular genre entirely into schools. It's not because we don't love sci-fi. It's just that we don't have an infinite budget for it. It's impossible. All right. And in we just like the smell of blow Paris news. Two Italian men driving the official diplomatic vehicle of 91-year-old Vatican librarian Cardinal Mejia were arrested in the French Alps at a toll station stop when police discovered about four kilos of cocaine wow. and a half pound of marijuana in the car. Now, if you're not familiar with these drugs, those are really weird amounts relative. Right. To, to yeah, one the weed another, was an afterthought they? there. I mean, if you bring four kilos of cocaine to a party at the Vatican... Every single person in the country could personally consume half a pound of weed every day for months without so much as a nap. <laughs> Be fine. I know. I mean, that was a weird summer for me, I can yeah, tell you. I don't know if you're right or not, but I'm willing to step into Mr. Wizard's laboratory. And then, don't get me wrong, <laughs> some of my best friends are excommunicated news tonight. Reverend Samuel Spearing of the St. Louis Catholic Church in Lewiston, Montana, is a prick. Within days of taking over as the church's administrator, he set out to learn once and for all if those two volunteers he had that funny feeling about were really gay or they had some other reason for not wearing camouflage cargo pants. And as it turns out, his gaydar was correct. The two volunteers freely admitted to being a faithfully married gay couple. This is great. This is great. It turns out cargo pants are even more effective for civilian bigotry than they right. are for their normal. <laughs> it's like Dimitri Martin said, when you're in the woods, it's like, are there douchebags out there but in public it's like there's the douchebags there they are fuck you the storage is very useful and now the couple the younger of whom is in his mid-60s were promptly dismissed from their volunteer positions and denied their share of the magic jesus crackers the two were told that if they want to consume the flesh of a bearded man in a loincloth they have to do it in a non-gay way and what's more they would have to submit a statement to the church outlining the timeline for their divorce and separation 
<laughs> Seriously? Yeah, so hopefully the doctrinal duplicity sent the reverend who started this shit into a divorce versus butt love vortex of theological hypocrisy from which he shall never <laughs> return. <laughs> Asshole. And in girl-on-girl interruptus news... On a recent episode of The 700 Club, host Pat Robertson took a few minutes off from Keeping the Crypt, during which time he may have solved the lesbian problem. Listeners may remember Robertson from a segment two weeks ago, or perhaps the preceding decades of public bigotry. Either way, in episode 82, he's the guy who suggested gay teenagers could cure themselves by doing more manly stuff, like joining the wrestling team. Strangely enough, his suggestion this week for curing lesbianism did not include playing softball and guarding prisons. Instead, you just got to avoid being molested as a little girl and stop watching those, quote, girl-on-girl movies, end quote. You know, I was just starting to think that Robertson is trolling our show. (laughs) He's clearly leaving this one on a tee for us. He's talking about some woman's lesbian daughter, and he says, quote, if she gets deeper and deeper in it, sooner or later (laughs) she'll say, I want to come out of it. And real, actual, couldn't contain more innuendo if Heath wrote it, quote. I mean, the dude actually brought up girl-on-girl movies. He's blatantly angling for an appearance on the 30 Seconds on the Clock segment. (laughs) And just to be clear, though, when Pat Robertson says girl-on-girl movies, he's not talking about lesbian porn. No, clearly not. He he seems to be completely unaware of lesbian porn. (laughs) He means the broader, non-existent definition of girl-on-girl movies, as in the ones where, quote, they're getting straight actresses to play lesbians and straight men to play homosexuals, end quote. That's his, his actual And, and that's why, comments. ultimately, we cannot lose this fight. If your side has to sell the idea that the Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis lesbian scene in Black Swan was a bad thing, you are predestined to be the tricks rabbit of public discourse. We will win this fight. So... <laughs> So considering that girl-on-girl phrase doesn't mean what he thinks it means, maybe we should give him some better examples of lesbian entertainment. But I'm thinking we keep it in his age group so his heads don't explode. Let's go ahead and put 30 seconds on the clock. Ideas for the mature lesbian internet video service. Go. Are are you asking for my favorite, or should I go with puns and shit? Yes. For example, my favorite is probably, well, tough call. I'll say sandboxoffice.com. And my idea for a fictional new one with the slogan might be uh, flick your bean to bean flicks streaming video. But we'll take take names of the service, slogans, titles for original content, whatever. All right, all right. So when it comes to streaming, I like Girls Gone Senile, but they're old, so it's a weak stream. Um, How about we come up with some, like, Martha Stewart prison porn? A deep autumn persimmon is the new black, perhaps. <laughs> um, about crouching cougar, hidden drag queen. That could also be Martha Stewart prison porn, as could uh, <laughs> Gash of the Titans. Uh, Masson Gilligan's Island, the three-hour cure for a ginger snatch. <laughs> How about, I meant the good scissors.com. Nagging, <laughs> sagging, and plenty of gagging. <laughs> um, what about... Uh, the Powder Muff Girls, How I Wet Your Grandmother. <laughs> Maybe a Dyke Lee joint, um, antifungal <laughs> fever. <laughs> Douche the right thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, what about uh, the elbow word? The greatest penetration from the greatest generation. <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe livegertrude.com, the best gill filth on the web. <laughs> um, perfect. They would have the... Plastic-covered casting couch with the hard candy girls. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like Suck Werther's Originals. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I've got to throw in a two. Uh, how about uh, two girls, one cup for their dentures? You know, get a little gum to bomb action going there. <laughs> Spiderweb squirters, the social security network. Oh, nice. Oh, how about menopause the geriatric hat trick? <laughs> about Fifty Shades of Grey pussycats, aka menopause, the musical. <laughs> Or maybe something superhero thing. We could do the X-Menopause versus Dr. Octogenarian. <laughs> um, it's bag of, uh, gold-fingering pussy galore and funny pennies coin slot. <laughs> oh, nice. Lesbians cram cool. that in, a lot into that vagina joke. Uh, maybe a Golden Girls reboot where they all just give up and start fucking each other. We could call it Depends <laughs> with Benefits. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's pretty gross, yeah. About- about that 70s show with Mila's Kakunis. <laughs> uh, no cunt here for old men. <laughs> the Very Legal Seafood Network presents Downtown Krabby. <laughs> uh, how about grannyfanny.com? We put the rectum in hysterectomy. <laughs> Great visual. Nice. DVDA slightly. I mean, <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> we should be almost done, shouldn't we? Um, <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> all right, last one, last one. Uh, has your monthly subscription to Redbox expired? Still enjoy aging lesbian warrior porn? <laughs> Try Gramazon Dunbox Instant Video. <laughs> I am so sorry, and I'm absolutely done. No, I, I, I have to say, though, Adam Reeks from the Herd Mentality was telling me about this new version of Snapchat for people with Alzheimer's. It's, it's called regular texting. Anyway, uh, with the guilty pleasure and the knowledge that Heath's grandma listens to this show, we'll close the headlines here for tonight. Heath, thanks as always. Pat Robertson wouldn't last a day on the creek with my grandma, her friends. And when we come back, we'll desperately vie for your love and admiration even more. There is a God, and there's not. He only included the Book of Lamentations in the Bible because he knew I was going to be writing poems about all the books, and I'd be unable to resist the temptation that the acrostic nature of this one offers. So, quick reminder, the Book of Lamentations contains five poems. Four of them consist of 22 alphabetical lines, each starting with a subsequent letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, obviously, there's no challenge in writing something like that unless you're the dumbass who wrote the fifth poem in Lamentations, so I decided to go one step further. So before I start with what is by far the longest and most laborious of my biblical poems, I want to point out that I was going for less alliteration and more consonants and assonance because A, this is intended for a spoken rather than a written medium, and B, I didn't want to shoehorn in a verse about xanthus xylophones somewhere. So, uh, and, and I only point this out because I don't want to get emails later pointing out that kept starts with a K and czar starts with a C because I know. So without further ado, Lamentations in Rhyme. All right, almighty Adonai, apparently you're angry and you're agitated. After all the ardent ass-kissing, our asses get assassinated because a bunch of bastards bang beside the bounty here of Hebrew bitches and bought the broads beyond the border who bow to bail and thus bewitch us. 
Come on, creator. Can't you cancel all the creepy curses you've commanded? Because a couple of the codes you've called for can't be kept if I could be so candid. I mean, damn, dude. Did you damn us due to Deuteronomy's deranged decrees? We didn't dispatch all the dreamers who dream dreams, so we deserve disease. I mean, we've made every effing effort to ensure you're edified and elevated. We even keep your evil edicts yet get exiled and expatriated. Fuck, man. You forsook us for some foreigners and fornication? Forgetting our fidelity, you force us to face fragmentation? Good gracious, God, we get it. We've gone and given up your grace. We gluttonously gambled and didn't guillotine the goddamn gay. So henceforth, Hebrews have it harder than the humdrum heathen humans have it. We had a homeland, but we also had a heretical high places habit. And in this instance, God insists that we ignored important issuances. And yes, indeed, we're inundated in impious ill-born influences. It's just unjust to not adjust the justice you've adjudicated. Jumping to ejection from Jerusalem just leaves Jews jaded. And I know you knife the knights and knaves who never knelt before your nubbly knob, but you killed my kin with kosher kryptonite and kept their kitchens crammed with kid kebabs. A lenient lord would us less, or at least employ a little lubrication, but lo, you leave us little more than lengthy, lowly, lame-ass lamentations. Maybe make a miracle, so more will mind your might and your magnificence. Moderate your massive massacres, so more are moved by your munificence. But no, our nation's nick, so all our nearest neighbors note your notoriety, with nastiness so numbing it's nothing but nonsensical nomiety. So omitting our obeisance left us open to an odious oppression. God objected to our offerings, which offend his obdurate obsession. Our paltry prayers are pointless, which is precisely what the prophecies predict. So perhaps our pious, proud, prime mover's a pretentious, petty, pissy prick. The quixotic qualities required by his quizzical quotations leave us quartered in a quagmire as we question his qualifications. He rules our realm removed from reason and replete with rampant raging. With regards to rationality, he'd really rather be rampaging. So suck my sack, you sorry savior. I suppose somehow you'd say it's splendid that we stay slaves for 60 solar cycles until our sentences can be suspended. But to take a tack of torture towards the trusting tribes to me betrays a twisted twat. We're tormented to a tragic tear, and on the table there's a toasted tot. And I'm upset about this undertaking to uphold an umbrage unrequited. You use ubiquitous usurpers to urinate on what the Jews united. I view your volatile vindictiveness as very hard to venerate. The violence is vexing, as it's the vulnerable you violate. When we waken with wild weapon-wielding warriors within our walls, why worship such a worthless wanker when he lacks the will or wherewithal to extend an extra hex when we're exposed to threats so existential, not exacerbate our exile to an extent that's exponential? The yardstick used by yo-yos and their yarmulkes was rendered useless yesterday. They're yoked, and yet the yahoos and yeshivas yell, it's Yahweh, yay! It's bizarre not to absolve the citizens with zero sins the Tsar denies exist amid the zesty zealotry of Zedekiah's xenophobic Zionists, you dick. Do you have a Facebook feed filled with theistic memes so stupid your face is developing a permanent hand-shaped indentation? Does your head ache at the end of the day from trying to comprehend how somebody who thinks the Bible is the inerrant word of God can't be bothered to read it? Do you find your jaws aching from forcing yourself not to tell your coworker her cleanses pseudoscientific bullshit? Does your throat hurt from screaming yourself hoarse when you see the Pope lauded for cleaning somebody's feet in between silencing rape victims? Well, we at the Scathing Atheists are happy to scream ourselves hoarse for you. Would you rather be forced to have an orgy with your family than a religious conversation? We're working every day to bring you more and better content and hope to expand our operation to offer more of our vulgarities in bite-sized, shareable portions. Do you find yourself setting up ever more elaborate Rube Goldberg inventions to safeguard your porch from wandering missionaries? We're, we're, we're done with the question asking. Do you ever get that not-so-fresh feeling it's, downstairs? We've, we've moved on to the bit where we, where we get people to give us money. Do you ever find yourself carrying on the opening portion of a bit well into the middle, despite the protests of the host, who's anyway, actually 
Our show only exists because of the generous donation of our listeners, and on Patreon.com, we're rapidly approaching our goal of $850 per episode, which would allow both of us to dedicate our full-time efforts to writing, recording, and editing this show. Do you ever get turned on when Bugs Bunny dresses up as a woman? And even if you don't like the show, you should donate, because when we reach that goal, Heath has to move to this little shithole in Georgia where Lucinda and I live. Do you ever make commitments that you later regret? <laughs> right. And with Heath and I reunited and both devoting our full-time efforts to the show, just think of what that will mean. More YouTube content. More frequent blog posts. More bonus content for per-episode patrons. Live Q&As. More books. More frequent Dutch rudders. Uh, what? Nothing. The, you're you're going to work it and I'm going to love it, or I'm going to work it and you're going to... It's best we'll trade, we'll trade off. Beforehand. So if you want to help support our show, please consider making a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist. That's patreon.com slash scathingatheist. That's patreon.com. <laughs> I just said that, and you just... Per-episode donors get access to bonus content, including an album of every original song ever released on the show, longer episodes, and exclusive content that we can't make yet because I still have a real job. So thanks again for all your support, and now back to something other than us begging for money. What is an atheist? While this should be a simple question, it continues to vex theists around the globe. There is an easy answer, of course, but the religious propaganda has been preemptively sabotaging the word so long a simple definition just won't suffice. So sure, to you and me, it's simply a person who doesn't believe in God, but what is an atheist to a believer? It's <laughs> a great question. And you know how far off they are because they seem to think we're Satanists, as if right. that's the opposite of theism. All right. Now, luckily, it turns out that the internets just so happen to have the answer for us in the form of a comprehensive, nay, bloated list of all the shit that's wrong with being an atheist right there on the Conservapedia. So, Heath, <laughs> are you ready for a point-by-point -point refutation of Conservapedia's entry on atheism? <laughs> that's fantastic. Yes. Game on. All right. Now, I should note beforehand that all these points are actual arguments that they use in the, let's call it, article. And I should note that there are 29 points and subpoints, so we'll have to do some speed refuting here. Yes, absolutely. All right, we're off. Number one, atheists have a low retention rate compared to other worldviews. Uh, meaningless because everyone starts out as atheist. Also, this indicates atheism doesn't teach faithful xenophobia, nor does it issue death threats against people who decide to leave our non-church. So, also, All right, good point. Uh, number two, atheists are a bunch of infighting assholes. <laughs> really? Atheists are the infighting assholes? It's the atheist infighting that's been fueling centuries of global conflict? That was, was right. us this whole time? Well, I, I can see those dicks over at Cognitive Dissonance infighting, maybe, but not us. Uh, number three, atheists are less educated than theists. <laughs> They actually base this one on the fact that a higher percentage of people in college are religious than non-religious. They do. And that's not how numbers work. It's but not. the confusion is understandable because religious people tend to be less intelligent than atheists, at least according to relevant data. Okay, well, how about number four? Academics are a scared of theism. <laughs> people who think about stuff professionally are scared of religion. Yes, that's, that's correct. They... <laughs> right. Well, they were bound to get a couple of these, right? How about number five? Atheists are stupid. Unless you go by IQ. All right. Number six. Atheists don't actually exist. <laughs> well, religious people are used to blurring the line between what is and isn't a figment of their imagination, so I'm going to give them a pass here. I guess. Pass. Pass. Pass on something. All right. Number seven. Atheists are communists. 
<laughs> right, like like Ayn Rand. Exactly. Right, good point. Uh, Number eight, uh, the Bible says atheists are wrong. Wait, was that the talking donkey that said that? In the, <laughs> was it the, the magic bush? I forget which part of it. Also, yeah, I'm not yeah, positive, right. but the other day I was I was reading the the every other book, and I'm pretty sure it said the Bible is wrong in that one. So, oh, uh, well, like we're at an impasse. All right, well, what about number nine? Atheists are mass murderers a la Stalin. Yeah, yeah, my Amalekite friend was saying something about that one. <laughs> oh, wait, no. No, he wasn't. He was genocided. <laughs> number ten. Atheists are stingy bastards and don't give to charity. Yeah, it's funny how that anomaly disappears when you stop counting giving money to your specific church as charity and right count actual charity. All right, number 11, atheists are immoral. <laughs> oh, good, yeah, good point. You are. Le- less filling. We're <laughs> going with less really? filling. Okay. Uh, how about number 12, atheists fuck kids. Now, their justification here is that A, Japan has a lot of atheists and a lot of child porn, and B, the guy who started Nambla is an atheist. <laughs> well, first of all, we don't play with our food like that. That's <laughs> kind of gross. Also, Nambla only dreams of having a business model as good as the church. They yeah, right. Die right. For that. If only we had their numbers. All right, number 13, <laughs> atheists fuck animals. <laughs> All right, this one's great. They actually quote P.C. Myers as having said, I don't object to bestiality in a very limited set of specific conditions and leave off the last eight words of what he said, which was, but do not support it in any way. So <laughs> yes, that slightly cherry-picked there. All right, well, what about number 14? This is pretty damning. Atheists are rapists. <laughs> and what, we don't pay the 50 shekels to dad? Really? That's the problem? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. How about this one? Number 15, atheists are addicted to drugs. I said number 15, atheists are addicted to, to drugs. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, how about number 16? Atheists are insane. Just look at Nietzsche. <laughs> well, I guess if I could name two insane religious people right here to make a point, I, I guess I would, but I think they got me stumped. I think they got me stumped. All right, but here comes number 17. Atheism causes suicide. <laughs> okay, maybe, but but not so much homicide, does it? So... Right. Actually, kind of a good thing relative. I mean, just a homicide, anyway. Yeah. And also, religion needs streets of gold and 72 virgins to convince people to die. We just yeah. tell them we nothing happens shit. and they die. So, there we go. All right, how about number 18? Atheists are fat. And they actually back this up with a list of fat atheists. I shit you not. <laughs> yeah, sifting through stories every week about church scandals. That That's really... Working up my appetite. That's yeah, why. Yeah, it's, it's the fried baby. It goes right to your hips. All right, number nineteen. Atheists have diseased wieners. Okay, all I'm saying is you don't get a diseased wiener from leveling up on a massive multiplayer. That's not how, that's not how <laughs> good, that works. Good point. Number twenty. Atheists suck at sports. Okay. Uh, I think I'd like to cite. Tim Tebow, who looks like he's throwing a gallon of milk, but without the container yeah, when he's no at quarterback. So. All right, number 21, atheism is actually a religion. Uh, no, it's uh, the exact opposite. We discussed yeah, that at the very beginning. We did. Uh, number 22, women don't fuck atheists. Then where did we get all these STDs and stem cell dinners? We've been <laughs> talking about this whole time. All right, well, what about number 23, atheists are sexists. Well, I guess it's true you never hear women complain about sexism in fundamentalist churches, but 
that's because they're not allowed to talk in fundamentalist <laughs> yeah, churches. Right, right, right. Can't hear them through the burqa. All right, number 24, atheists are nerds. It actually says that, nerds. <laughs> lambda, 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 bitches. <laughs> Proud of it. Yeah, hells yeah. We're doing the handshake here. Off mic. Uh, number yeah, twenty-five. Atheists are racists, and they and they tie this to social Darwinism. So it's what well, atheists lack the knowledge to be good at races. We wouldn't even know what to burn in the lawn. We <laughs> <laughs> lost. Like a, a a fish with feet. <laughs> I'm burning a fish with feet in my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> What was number 26? Uh, number 26. Atheists are liars. The justification, by the way, is that atheists believe in evolution, and evolution is a lie. Okay, but even if evolution turns out to be the the Jewish media conspiracy that we're all guessing it is, <laughs> there's still a difference between lying and just incorrect. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's like the Jews are going to tell all the atheists about the conspiracy. <laughs> we, we, we would just be incorrect in that situation. All right, number 27. Atheists are superstitious. Yes, when you factor out your own superstitions and call them facts, everyone looks more superstitious than you. Right, yeah. Okay, how about number 28? Atheists are anti-science. Uh, Ibid, Your Honor, (laughs) for all of these. And finally, number 29, atheists are going to destroy the world. (laughs) Okay, sure, but the other 28 we just did were pretty much bullshit. Uh, I'll give them the last one. Run, grab the youngins, folks. It's time for Lucinda Illusions Bible Stories for Kids. Gather round, boys and girls. Today we're going to open up our Bibles to the book of Job and learn what happens when Satan goads God into being a capricious douche. Now, once upon a time, there lived a man named Job. And God was very impressed with Job because he was always nice to strangers. He always told God how awesome he was. And when it came time to massacre farm animals to appease God's merciless bloodlust, Job only brutally killed the best farm animals. So one day God was bragging about how awesome Job was to Satan. And Satan agreed that, sure, Job was the kind of upright, God-fearing God that would bludgeon his children to death with a big rock for not cleaning their rooms like God commands. But it wasn't because Job was such a nice guy. It was because God had given Job so many cool toys. And God considered Satan this point. Job was awfully blessed. He was rich, he had a beautiful wife, he had a lot of children that loved him very much, and he had more donkeys and camels than he knew what to do with. So Satan said, what if he didn't have so many loving children and donkeys? Do you think that he'd still love you then? I think not. So God decided to find out, even though he was all-knowing and generally he doesn't have to answer to Satan. So one day Job was sitting around minding his own business when one of his slaves showed up and told Job that he had some really bad news. A band of thieves showed up and stole all of his donkeys. And Job was sad, but he said, at least I still have my camels. And then another slave showed up and said that he also had some bad news. A band of different thieves also showed up and stole all of his camels. And Job was even sadder, but he said, at least I still have my loving children. And then another slave showed up and said that he had even worse news. A roof had collapsed on all of his children, and they'd been crushed to death. And Job was even sadder, but he said, at least I still have my slave, but his slaves told him to shut the fuck up already. 
And God looked down while still rinsing the blood of Job's family from his hands and said, See, Satan, he's still praising me and being as good as he was before I killed his family and stole his camels. But Satan still wasn't impressed. He said, Sure, you stole his livestock and murdered his children, but it's not like he's covered from head to toe in boils or anything. And God said, Oh, yeah? I'll show you. So he also covered Job's entire body with cracked, bleeding, festering sores until he looked like an everything bagel, rotting in time-lapse photography. And even then, Job kept praising God. So in the end, a lot of people died for no reason, and there was a lot of undeserved suffering. But the important thing is that God won his bet. The End It's time for the part of the show that Our comes... Our first email comes from Simon, who is a raging asshole and or mentally ill. Simon yeah. writes to us from uh, the Institute of Run-On Sentences amid the great Southeastern punctuation famine of 2014. Tell us that we're going to burn in hell and he's going to watch on from heaven, stroking it the whole time. Which isn't exactly what he said, but it's definitely what he implied. Yeah, that, that was the, that was the, the, the gestalt. Um, it was quite a classic. I can't imagine this dude actually listened to an episode of the show, but apparently something got him pissy enough to find the email address, and he used it to transmit some 2,000 words that read like this. <laughs> For those of us that are going to heaven in sick love and have accepted Jesus in our hearts and our minds unsick, even the world we, that we breath sick around us, we can see you're sick with pity and not the anger that you have rejected the word of love Lord sick with. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Maybe he tries it again sometime soon. I mean, hopefully we'll still be here in a couple of decades when Simon finishes his GED and incarceration. So, you know, maybe he sends us yeah, another right. try at that. Uh, uh, anyway, our next message comes to us from Avery in the form of a Facebook post and an ensuing conversation about the diatribe for last week's show. Ultimately, I believe Avery and I hammered out our differences, but afterwards I listened back over the diatribe and felt that my position was in need of clarification. Oh, you mean the... The really controversial diatribe you had when you, the one where you suggested ISIS might be bad. Yes, that that, that was the one. Well, it seems like almost everything I read about Polarizing. ISIS falls squarely into one of two camps. So either it's ISIS is proof that Muslims are violent extremists, or ISIS isn't Islamic, and you have to be a bigot to think that Muslims <laughs> are violent extremists. The point that I was trying to make is that the truth is in the middle of those two things somewhere. ISIS yeah. is, if nothing else evidence that there's a damn violent strain to this religion, but even if you subtract away every military and paramilitary action by Muslim extremists in all of history, there's still plenty of horrible shit to fought the Muslim religion for. Yeah, ask just about every Muslim woman in history. Right. Assuming you're allowed in the same building together. Yeah, right. Ask your brother's permission them. first. And at a certain point, the argument that it's the culture, not the religion, is meaningless because the two things can't really be parsed. I mean, when your religion is your judicial system, a branch of or the only branch of your government, the basis for your educational system, like when that's the only book that you have, what does it even mean to say, oh, the sexism is a byproduct of the culture, not the religion? What's the that difference? Would that would be nothing. It right. means nothing to say. If you had to describe the culture of an Islamic theocracy with one word, it's Islam. So right. they just said sexism is a byproduct of Islam, not Islam. <laughs> Islam, the, the culture, not Islam, the religion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. I want to say it again. I. Don't doubt at all that any religion can be turned into the same vehicle for violence that the Islamic one has, is being turned into right now. But the sure. Islamic one is presently <laughs> that. Right you now. Know, like, at a certain point, all the dudes holding guns are dangerous, but we treat the guy who's actually shooting one at people a little bit different <laughs> 
as we should. So. <laughs> Indeed. Not crazy and unreasonable. And finally tonight, we got a Facebook message about all the shitty Christian movies that keep plaguing the box office. Tanner wrote to tell us that the only way they'll get him to a theater to watch a biblically inspired movie is if Noah and I write and direct it. So That sounds like a good idea, which of course got us thinking fun. about the prostitutes off of whose thighs we're going to be snorting cocaine once we strike it rich in Hollywood. <laughs> but between now and then, it would make a pretty good top ten list as well. So here are our top ten titles for biblically inspired movies if we were writing and directing. I love that you didn't dangle a preposition on your snorting cocaine off of oh, stripper's yeah. thigh <laughs> off, off of whose thighs, yeah. yes, thank you. Yeah, off of whose thighs. That's a good job. Anyway. That's what I do for a Bible-inspired movies if we were writing and directing. Number ten. How about uh, Life of Brian Fisher? <laughs> Documentary of that. Uh, number nine, Brokeback Mount Sinai. You know, you know, it's like a little fan fiction embellishment of the bit where God lets Moses check out his ass, which actually happens in the Bible. That, that's in, in the book. Yep. Number eight, and uh, you know, since you, since you bring up closet gay Bible characters, how about uh, Passion Fruit of the Christ? <laughs> yeah, God is the best closet gay character. Uh, <laughs> um, number seven, I, I, we, could get, uh, we could cast Paul Rubens in it, Onan the Barbarian. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm saying he was embarrassed of his gay son, Jesus, by the way. Anyway. Oh, um, number time. six. How about uh, Jonah Hill is Jonah and the whale? <laughs> <A> little <laughs> Jenny Murphy Norbit routine. The whale. Uh, number five. The best little whorehouse in Jericho. You know, <laughs> lots of penetration and Dolph Lundgren in there somewhere. <laughs> the fifth sense. Doctor Dolph smell. Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number four. How about uh? Vin Diesel parts the Red Sea in Triple Exodus. Okay, but if it's the Red Sea, you have to wash your dick afterwards and you're unclean until sunset. <laughs> um, how about a dance flick where Jesus goes all stripper pole on the crucifix? The last gyration of Christ. <laughs> He's twerking it. I'm jerking it. We're all loving it. Good times. All right, number two. How about uh, Stigmata 2? Beholding God's glory holes. <laughs> I think we have think to pay that, that like might, cognitive distance second, a little, a little bit. Our second stigmata jerking reference on the show, <laughs> weirdly enough. Anyway, all right, and finally, number one, Jesus versus Predator: The Second Going. <laughs> Weird clicking noise. I would hit. And that's all the feedback you get. Jesus. If you want more, keep sending us those tweets, Facebook messages, and emails. You'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingidiots.com. Before we draw the curtains tonight, I want to remind everybody once again that Heath and I appeared together on the most recent episode of the Incredulous Podcast, and I think it's safe to say it was fucking hilarious. Ra from the Herd Mentality joined us, and like I said last week, Andy is one of the best hosts in the business. You're going to find that linked on our homepage at scathingatheist.com. I also want to let everyone know that despite what it might say on our social media pages, my lovely wife Lucinda will be celebrating her annual 30th birthday on Sunday of this week, so if you follow her on Twitter and you want to wish her a happy birthday, I'm sure she'd appreciate it. And if you don't follow her on Twitter, it's at Lucindelusions, that's L-U-G-E. E-O-N-S. Of course, I can't end the show without throwing a huge thanks to Heath for the awesome contributions he makes every week. I need to thank Lucinda for pretty much everything she's done in the last 19 years, but most immediately the stuff that she did for this week's show. I also want to thank Jeff for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. I will admit that of all the stuff he said, I mostly just understood fuck, but I definitely appreciate it nonetheless. I also wanted to thank Carl from the Post-Rapture Looting Podcast for squeezing with Thomas into that very narrow space between my team and the bottom of the rankings in the Fantasy Football League of Sinister Secularists. Incidentally, our league will see a championship re 
rematch this weekend as I take on Cecil in a week where my whole team's on by and his whole team is suspended for domestic abuse. Should be interesting. But, of course, most of all, I need to thank this week's most complimentable compatriots, Heather, Shane, Jerry, Brian, Nicholas, and Robives.com. Heather and Shane, whose intellects are so exceptional they've been exempted from the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, Jerry and Brian, whose testicles are the first through fourth wonders of the modern world, and Nicholas and Robives.com, who are the primary reason the supervillains don't fuck with us, and a very cool arts and crafts website, respectively. Together, these six people and websites have helped us inch that much closer to minimum wage this week by giving us money. Not every person or website has what it takes to give us money, but if you think you can handle the appreciable surge and allure that coincides with donating to our show, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of our homepage at scathingatheist.com. And of course, if you'd like to help us but you buried your treasure and they're about to flood that valley, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you care to leave five-star reviews. And incidentally, if while leaving us a five-star iTunes review, you should happen to mention Happy Scrappy Hero Pup, yes, I will definitely get that reference. Also, if you haven't checked out the Stitcher app, be sure to do that. Listen to us over there. It's a convenient way to stream your favorite podcasts and we've been on the verge of cracking their top 100 list for a long time now and it's just driving me nuts if you have questions comments or death threats you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingatheist.com all the music used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly and yes i did have my permission Quixotic quote. Uh, the quote really rather be rampage and he rules our realms with ruled our realm from rules our realm with. Uh,